Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's 50 Cent. And I'm Charlie Webster. I know so many of you loved the first season of Surviving El Chapo, the twins who brought down a drug lord, and have been patiently waiting for season two. Don't worry, we got you. Season two starts next week. We got the real deal. This is the story of identical twins, Jay and Peter Flores, speaking to us publicly for the first time and their wives, Val and Viv. The Flores twins became the biggest drug traffickers in North America at 23. But they wanted to break the cycle and give their children a better life. A chance they never had. One away from crime. Their only way out was to turn themselves into the U.S. government and cooperate against the biggest drug lord of all time. A man who they saw as family. The real deal. Joaquin Guzman Loretta. El Chapo. The consequences of their decision start to unravel more than they ever could have imagined. Since we've been making this production for the last two years, this has played out in real time, as you'll soon start to find out in season two. Back in season one, right in the middle of recording in the safe house, the wives' lawyers called with some devastating news. It was the call that changed everything once again for the Flores family. Now, Val and Viv find themselves heading to prison, 15 years after their husbands first turned themselves in. 
In season two, we will bring you up to date with the story of the Flores family. From the moment they were brought in by US authorities, went face to face with El Chapo in the courtroom, all the way up to present day. Stay tuned to discover if the Flores family still feels the twins did the right thing and whether they feel it was all worth it. Season two begins exactly where we left off. So here's a short recap of everything that happened on the last season of Surviving El Chapo, the twins who brought down a drug lord. Our introduction to to the drug business started at seven years old when my dad came home from prison. How long was he in prison for? Seven years. It was a learning experience. I don't even think we thought marijuana was like a bad thing, right? It was like as soon as he got home, he was like back at it. Our home was raided by the Chicago Police Department. This is the police! Put your hands up! My older brother took the blame. The first time, the second time they came, they're the ones that take the blame for him. And that's when my dad was on the run. My older brother, he would sell cocaine out the house. We start meeting all kinds of people, you know, in his business. He sold, like, I don't know, two kilos on employment, and he was arrested by the DEA. And... That left us in our situation that we depended on, you know, he was our provider. Not so long after that, when we first got approached by his connect, his drug supplier, with the opportunity to to get in the business. I'm 16 years old, 17 years old, and you know, there's $10,000 worth of bills on the table. I mean, working at Walmart wasn't gonna cover that. Three months into our drug trafficking career, we're making a million dollars. At 17, Jay and Pete had made a million dollars in cash. By 23, the twins were the biggest drug traffickers in North America. My brother and I, we probably easily pushed over 130, 140 tons since 1998. February 9, 2004. I hear my phone start ringing, ringing, ringing. I remember answering my phone, and it was my sister, and she's like, Hey. They're in the houses. They're in everyone's house. The feds. The feds are there. They're looking for you. They're looking for Jay. Don't go home. They're everywhere. And I remember that panic hit me. There's a warrant out for our arrest. There's a pending indictment out of Milwaukee. There's search warrants. That's not good. I remember crossing the border and just feeling so relieved to have crossed that border into Mexico. It's Val, Jay, my older brother, his wife. They come pick me up. We're like, just so happy to see each other. Like, okay, we made it out. You know, it was a mess. And little by little, I was going to kind of fade out and stop doing that. Like, stop selling drugs. And did the opposite happen? Yeah. The brothers fled to Mexico as fugitives with their wives, Val and Viv. And despite not being on the ground, their drug business just continued to boom. Pete's wife, Viv, explains that things got more and more chaotic. It was just so much going on. So many different people coming in and out the house, different cars. Jay with his hundred phones, Pete with his... I mean, it was just overwhelming. And then Pete was kidnapped in Mexico. 
my older brother called me. He said, bro, they just called. They said that they have Peter Kinnan and they want $10 million. They walked me to a small room, like a cell. And there's no windows in there. They have a bed in there. I was just happy that I'm still alive. So I get another call from someone else. He said, we're calling you have your brother. You guys own Chapo Guzman. $10.8 million. My best friend, Tommy, I call him right away. When I told Tommy that Chapo has Peter, he's like, let's go to Culiacan. We're going to get your brother back. We arrived to this, like, farm. There's planes, a bunch of small Cessnas. We start walking, and there's a pilot, this tall, skinny kid wearing flip-flops. He has to be 16 years old. And he, like, opens the door, and I'm like, this is not right. And I sat down, like, oh, my God. And as we're kind of on the plane, we're going to big peaks. Like the plane, I feel like something like the, the trees are going to just like rub the belly of the plane. And it was this big mountain we were kind of heading towards. And, and now I'm really, really scared. I'm like, what the fuck? He lands. I'm kind of getting off. Everyone's just looking at me. We come up the stairs and realize it's a big old palapa. It's huge. There's tables, I see that there's like these picnic tables. There's a bunch of newspapers. And then someone have Chapo stays in the front of it. And I look and I could see his hat. Kind of coming up so slowly. And I see him. And he looks at me and he kind of does a second take. He reaches out his hand and he's like, Paul King Guzman Loera. I tell him my name. Margarita Flores. Margarita Flores. He kind of stares at me, and I'm kind of trying to like give back my hand a little bit. And so, how can I help you? And I said, well, look, um, I'm here because they kidnapped my brother. I don't owe that money, and I'm here to see if I could work something out for my brother. Well, he said, I'm sorry to say, but that money's owed to me, and I'm not going to forgive that debt. And he said, there's no money that's worth losing your brother. I just lost mine, and I would pay whatever it is to just get my brother back. And he said, when you come back, we could do business. You could come work for me. I could give you drugs. We could keep making money together. So I started collecting money, started making payments. The next day, um, I get a call early in the morning. So he says, hey, listen, your brother's not well. And he said, and everything that you know I've known of you seems like you're you're a man of your word. And that, that says a lot. Now you give me your word that you're gonna pay me back my money and I'll let your brother go today. My father, like got to them. Like I remember when we got up and off the truck and we just hugged and kissed. He was like, I thought I was gonna die. And what happened? And I was like, I'm a chapo.
Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The meeting with El Chapo to free Pete is ultimately what led to the twins becoming part of the Sinaloa cartel family. This is what changed everything, as Jay's wife, Val, describes. Their life changed drastically overnight. And there was just so many new people around us. And Who's going to protect us better than the biggest drug lords in the world? They welcomed us in with open arms. 
in the Mecca of drug lords in present time, the drug lords that, that we know about is Chapo Mayo. At that time, we were important to them. We had access to more drugs, I think, than anyone else because of who we were as in our personalities, how we carried ourselves. I think that was a turning point. We're at the table with the biggest drug lords, and they love us. And with that comes power and protection. Power and protection and celebrations and a life that no one could have dreamed of. But a life at the top of the drug game isn't all it's cracked up to be. We were at the top, right? Things are getting taken from me. Not just that I was going through hardships, that was maturing, I was under, starting to understand like the destruction and everything that was doing to me, to the family, and, and starting to understand that what we were doing wasn't the right thing to do. Like, And we could sit there all the time and say, oh yeah, well, I don't hurt anyone, I don't kill anyone. I'm, that didn't matter. I was watching TV and this documentary came out about John Gotti and the mafia. It just said that you know, Sammy the Bull had received five years for 19 murders. First corporation against John Gotti. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, he got five years for corporation against John Gotti. In my head, I was like, Man, who the fuck is John Gotti? The people we were dealing with, I felt like was living John Gotti's whole life each day. I woke up in the middle of the night and I do call it an epiphany. It was this moment of just clarity. I could cooperate. I think we would have to do some prison time, but we'll have a chance to change your life. Sitting at home and thinking about it, and thinking about really just wanting a way out, and just wanting a way out, wanting a way to just be there for my family, give them a different way of life. I wanted a better life for them. The only way out was to cooperate against the man they now saw as family, Joaquin Guzman Luera. El Chapo. But first, Jay had to convince his brother. Peter, he shows up, him and Vivi show up. Hey. I said, come in the washroom, come in. In the bathroom. In the bathroom. And at that time, we have a really huge shower. It was like a 12 people shower. And we have all these jets. And it's like, I don't know, 16 shower heads. But when the shower heads were going, you couldn't hear anything. I turned on the shower. I said, listen. We know we could give them anyone they want. And if, you know, Samuel Buru got five years for 19 murders for a corporate it will be in a good situation. So I'm just thinking, at worst case, that we could get 10 years. I don't think none of us want the life that's coming for us. And I think that this will be our chance for us to change our life and do something different. But we're going to have to sacrifice I said, well, we need to talk to our attorney. How are we going to do that? And I was like, me and my brother both look at Val. The attorney? When I flew into Chicago, I went to his office to go see him. And I sat down in his office and I'm like, listen, this is really important. You can't say anything to anyone. I said, Jay and Peter, they're thinking about cooperating with the U.S. government and we're going to need your help. The attorney first told me that he actually was able to reach out to an agent and 
He says, I'm going to put you on the phone. His name was Sam Ginelli. And that's going to be the first agent we ever talked to. He said, yeah, I'm going to talk to the attorney's office. I got to talk to people higher ups and see how we could do this. You guys are doing the right thing. You're coming out to the good side. Right before we hung up, he said, welcome to Team USA. Welcome to Team USA. That hurt. I was like, Team USA. And it kind of made me think, like, what team am I on? And I felt like that was the biggest moment where I felt like a a traitor, like right there just talking to him. And I said, look, man, I'm looking to make a deal, but I'm looking to make the best deal you ever made. He said, I got three people for you. And I told him again, I got Chapo Maya and Arturo Beltran. He tells me, the only thing I could tell you is that what would be the most valuable thing you could do is start, if you can, documenting some of these conversations. So I went to Radio Shack and bought a bunch of recording devices. I'm meeting the vets. We kind of get into the conversations. I remember the first thing I talked to them about was like, look, I have, I have a lot of information for you guys, but I need to be reassured. I need you guys to know that I want, I want to promise that, that no harm is going to come to my family, that you're going to promise to keep them safe and that, that nobody in my family will be prosecuted for any of the crimes related to my drug trafficking. And it was like, you think we give a fuck about your family? What we need is a solid case on Chapo Guzman. And we could get him with a recording that leads back to a drug seizure in Chicago. I promise you the best deal you can ever imagine. Like you get the best deal the government has ever given up. And I was like, that's it? I was so nervous not, of course, to make the recording, but of what was to come. What did this mean to my life? Like. It was an ugly feeling, you know? Getting the recorder out. And the only thing the feds had given me like a earpiece with a microphone on it, you know? When you put the phone to your ear, you could hear it and then they could record. I remember putting it to my ear and like the secretary answered. I'm like, oh, it's the twin. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I remember him saying amigo, like hearing his voice again. I felt okay. I did. But I had to get over that. That was like a big moment. You know, I remember thinking that this is my ticket home one day. Two weeks after the chapel recording, and we get a call, it's a Sunday. Our attorney wants to talk to us. It's early, right? And he said, you know, the U.S. attorney wants to talk to you. He said, he wants you guys to turn yourselves in today. Reality just hit us. Huh? What? I didn't want to say goodbye to it. It was scary to think that I could, like, lose, like, my family and everything. We jumped in the truck. Two agents. Did you guys bring the recorders? We're like, yes. And we were emotional. It's okay, guys. You guys are doing the right thing. And they started driving towards the airport. Didn't take long for us to fly out of there. The twins were put on a private plane and escorted out of the country by the feds. 
the rest of the family were left to fend for themselves. Val had to step up to get the family out of Mexico alive. When JMP left, he knew like there was just no plan for us. It looked like this whole like entourage. We had to drive 12 hours to get to the border. We got passed through all these towns. We looked so fucking crazy and it's the night. And we drove through the whole night. We didn't stop. We drive up to the border and we get there. And they ask us for our papers. And I'm giving them my passport. I'm giving them my kids' papers. I was like the first one to get there. And they're like, hold on, hold on. Everyone got to wait. I was like, no, we can't wait. We got to go in. And I'm like, they're going to kill us. They're going to fucking kill us. I said, we have to get out of the country. We have to get back to the U.S. We're U.S. citizens. And at that point, I knew, I just knew this was our life. It didn't matter. Whatever JMP did and cooperated, I knew at that point that they were going to always look at us like criminals. I knew it. And I just, I felt like we made such a huge mistake. I remember I took the last step and I just like stretching out my legs a little bit and my brother gets gets behind me and he's like, okay. And they're like, all right, turn around. I said, excuse me? He said, turn around. Put your hand behind your back. And it hit me. They put the handcuffs on us. That was weird. Like, my brother and I looking at us like, this is it. This is our life. From now on. No? Handcuffs and shackles. Just keep telling ourselves that we're doing the right thing. We end up flying into a small airport right up north of Chicago. I remember when the plane landed, me looking out the window and I just saw nothing but police lights and lots of them. We taxi and when the door opens, it's cold. I remember stepping a foot outside the airplane and standing there and I just see the sea of like blue jackets, like DEA, US Marshals. And when I saw the cars and like all the agents and marshals just like staring at us, I think it was the first time I ever felt like, holy shit. Deep in the season two starts Wednesday the 4th of October. Surviving El Chapo, The Twins Who Brought Down a Drug Lord, Season 2, is hosted by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and me, Charlie Webster. Produced by myself and Jackson McLennan. Assistant producer and research support by Casey Hertz. Edit and sound design by Nico Palella. Theme music and original score by Ryan Sorensen. It's executive produced by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and me, Charlie Webster. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson presents a Lionsgate Sound and G-Unit Audio production exclusively for iHeart Podcasts. Hold up. 
With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.